Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. And since uh, Joseph is off on hiatus for the next couple of whatevers, uh, with me today, while Joseph is away, is the captain, the president, the grand poobah, the top cheese, the film on the top of the pudding, the one and only Denver 7's anchor reporter, Nicole Brady. Hello. Hello. Thank you for that marvelous introduction. Have you ever been referred to as the top of the pudding? I've never been referred to as the poopah. What was that? The poobah. Poobah. The the grand poobah. Have you never seen a Flintstones episode? I have. I didn't remember the grand poobah. Yes. Anyway, we have a bunch of things to talk about today uh, with myself and Nicole, uh, including we're going to talk about the congestion tax now that's going to be going into New York City. We'll also talk about potholes. Down, I mean, they're everywhere, but there's uh, one guy down in Texas who is really, really fed up with potholes so much that he took matters into his own hands. Ooh. We'll have that story in a little bit, too. Uh, but are there other things out there? First, Nicole, I have to get this. Are, are there things that, that are driving you crazy? Late, well, the potholes, definitely. Yes. Lately. Uh, those are a big problem every year at this time. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm getting a little tired of the C470 construction. Oh, sure. Such a hassle. I I keep missing the exit to my house. <laughs> they changed where you exit for Broadway yes, now? Yes, yes. 3 times. I've missed the exit to my own house. Nice. So. Well, that's paying attention right yeah. there. <laughs> Somebody wrote me the other day about the grates because they're driving all the way to the right side of the highway where eventually, where they already have put in the storm drains, and you're driving over these grates, and people are really upset about it. And I said, it's just temporary right now because they will shift the lanes back over to the regular spot. But right now, that will be the shoulder that you're driving on. They just need the space to tear up the middle part of the highway. So while I have you here, when is this going to be done? Never. Never. I'm going to go with never. Uh, No, substantial construction should be done by late summer and uh, early fall, so Ooh. it's really scheduled to be done at the end of the year. We'll see how the progression goes. Uh, weather's been good for them. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's good. All uh, right. Did uh, you you'd worked on a story today though about airbags? Yes. And it was interesting to hear about this one family who has a truck right with Takata airbags, and they haven't driven their truck in how long? Three years, they've been pretty much three afraid years. to drive it. Yeah, they haven't. Dri- they have a car that they haven't driven in three years. Yeah, he he drove it just so we could shoot video of him driving it, but That's that was ridiculous. about it. That's ridiculous. So why aren't they driving it? So most people are aware of the Takata airbag situation. This is one of the largest recalls in the history of the auto world. Some 40 million vehicles by 19 different automakers affected by this. So whether you drive a General Motors, a Chevy, a Nissan, a Honda, a Ford, any of these vehicles could have Takata airbags. I, I drive a Chevy. Yeah. So so and and you might not have Takata airbags. It just depends. But a lot of these vehicles over the years have rolled out different recalls. You've probably heard every so often. Oh, yeah. It's been expanded. Now these are being recalled. Subaru has a big one that just came out. And so every so often we'll hear from drivers who have these, who've been given notice, and uh, they complain that they're not getting the the problem fixed. And there have been multiple reasons for that over the years. Uh, There was a backlog for a while of just getting the replacement parts, so a lot of people waited for that reason. So are they coming from Takata? Are they the ones making the replacements? I 
I think Takata, yes, was was um, issuing some of it, but Takata's now bankrupt. So yeah, no, so, I think so it's, that, maybe that's where it's the problem really is. really more with the dealer uh, or the automakers now. I should so, say. So, not but dealer. who's making? They they have to get the airbags, the replacement airbags, from somewhere. Yeah, right? and, you know, I'm not sure how many have been replaced with just a another model and make of airbag or or just a ziploc full of uh, marshmallows <laughs> or that or or just the cars were brought in recalled and not fixed at all um yeah so, so there's a, a fair number of those too i'm not clear on on all the numbers but one issue has emerged here uh, that's specific to just general motors vehicles and specifically some of the more popular SUVs and pickup models. The couple we talked to, they drive a 2007 Chevy Tahoe. Uh, 2016 is when they got their recall notice. It, it was tw- 2007 to 2013 models of several of these GM vehicles. Uh, the Tahoe, Silverado, Avalanche, Suburban, uh, the Cadillac uh Escalante, is that what it's called? Sure. Um, the GMC Yukon, the Sierra. So these are some popular SUVs. And GM is now saying that those vehicles don't have defective airbags. They say that when they put Takata airbags in those vehicles, they were made to specifications for those particular vehicles and are not the same as some of the ones that have had the problems. So that's what GM says, and they're petitioning the National Highway Transportation Safety Board for an exemption, essentially, for those vehicles. So as this has been going on, this um, maybe since last year, this uh, petition, all of this is on hold. No one is getting a, re- a fix. If you have a vehicle with that, that, that is one of those GM vehicles and it has the Takata airbag, you're sh- still showing up on the recall notice, but... But the, but the airbag might be okay? The airbag might be okay. I mean, if you trust that GM says <laughs> what they say, right. that their airbags were tested and that they performed these... And, and, and I should say GM was, hasn't been one of the, the automakers that, was, um, that had any of those vehicles in, involved in the fatal incidents uh, or... But, but we don't... But you don't know. I mean, no right. one knew until their car had the accident that that, uh, led to the revelation that it was a faulty airbag in there. So so if you drive one of these GM vehicles, you basically are out of luck. They're they're not going to give you any kind of replacement or fix till this matter is resolved with the government. And if even at some point, if the federal government comes back and says, no, we're not going to give you this exemption, it may still be that these vehicles by then are just too old and it's been too long. And, and so, so the, there's a sense out there that they're probably never going to get a replacement. I, I thought one of the problems with these airbags is that sometimes they can come out or, or some of them can come out so violently yeah. that, it, that it's like, like getting punched by Mike Tyson in the face. It's not, yeah. it's not more of a comfort to slow you down, to right. stop you, to protect you. It's more of a... You could get hit by not only this this extreme force, but also maybe shrapnel parts that explode because the inflator actually exploded in some of these cases. Yes, right. So very very scary. If I was driving one of these GM vehicles around, I would probably take some comfort in knowing that n- there haven't been any issues with these vehicles yet, and 
and I may continue to drive my car. But this couple we spoke to in Fort Collins, the woman at least is completely scared to ever get in the vehicle. Uh, The man will drive it around occasionally on short errands, and they don't want to sell it either because they don't want to feel liable for putting someone else's life at risk. Or can they not sell it? I mean, is is there a liability, like you said? I'm not sure that they couldn't sell it if they... You know, I, I, is there a, a law against selling any vehicle on a recall list? I yeah. don't, I don't know. Um, if if someone knew of the problems, and you can check a VIN number anytime, you you can check your own VIN number anytime you want on the National Highway Transportation Safety Board's website and see if there are any recalls associated yeah. with your vehicle. So anyone who bought their vehicle would know what recalls it had, and if they're willing to pay a thousand bucks for this old vehicle and and take it with with the recall in effect then maybe they just feel like they're getting a good deal uh so i don't think that the couple can't sell the vehicle but i don't think they want to they just don't want that on their conscience if something should happen to that person and this is a different scenario than we had a story late was it last week or or where there was a guy who had a subaru yes couldn't get the airbag installed until like the fall yeah. So, and, and, and but then all of a sudden now he can get his airbag filled or uh, replaced. Next week, so, yeah. so what's the deal with that? Well, that's a different automaker. Every I, I did speak to the service department at the uh, local Chevy dealership in Fort Collins, where these people live, and uh, every airbag is different. Every single vehicle has a different style. Uh, even if it's Takata, it's not the same airbag in every vehicle. So Subaru is clearly able to offer these remedies. Uh, there have been his delay may have been from a simple backlog of uh, parts or just a line of people trying to get because it seemed fishy fixed when uh, when he goes to the dealership and says I, I want to get this fixed and they say well we we can't fit you in until fall yeah. and then we make some calls yeah. and then all of a sudden magically they can have it next week yeah so that sounds like a case of oh yeah they could actually get this done a lot faster and when we saw the couple who had waited three years we wondered well can we maybe get them some help in the same way? Can we make a couple calls to the dealership and, and you know, fix something for right. them? But this is not the same issue. This is a problem where, in you know, and again, unless they, and they've taken their car to their own personal mechanic. I, this is not an easy thing to, you don't, you don't just replace airbags. Any, any recall work always has to be done by the dealer. dealership that's that's the rules so um so you can't just go in and they tried to have them taken out they tried to have the airbags just taken out no one's going to do that for them uh they they and i'm sure it would be expensive to to try to do something on their own so if they want their airbags to be replaced by the dealer for free as it would be in a normal recall situation that's just not going to happen because gm is not going to do it I guess if I were in that situation, my my first thought would be take it to the dealership, and if they're not going to fix it, I'm not I'm not going to wait as long as these people have. But I would take it and then tr- use it as a trade in to that dealership yeah. because then the dealership is going to take it and most likely send it off to the auto crusher and just have it crushed, um, and, and then they can deal with it that way. But at least I can get some value yeah. from it and then be rid of it and then know that I'm not selling it to a third party, somebody else who might get hurt or that's a good that's a, a great suggestion you know and i didn't i didn't offer that suggestion to them i i, I will i'll give them a call and, and offer that uh, but maybe idea. they've already thought of that they but may have i i think they 
Because why would you keep this car though yeah. for so long, knowing that it's it's at this point it's just it's a loss. Yeah. Just just write it off. I'm sorry that this has happened to you, but it's a loss, and now you're just going to have to get rid of it. Take it as a loss and, and move on. Yes, they they probably essentially have realized that. I think they've, they, they've talking to them, they've said, you know, we're pretty much... And they're senior citizens, right? Yes. I mean, yeah. They don't have a lot of money. Um, they probably don't have much of a desire to, to trade in the vehicle for anything new, really. I mean, they have another truck that they... So they have another vehicle... Uh, so, so yeah, this is just a car that sits there that they don't want to sell exactly. They, you know, maybe, maybe that would be a solution. To or try maybe to get the, the dealership dealer up there would, the, would, would do that. Maybe would do a, yeah. a community service kind of thing and take, take the vehicle as a trade and then give them one that's similar, maybe for about the same amount of money. And so it's really not a lot of money out of the dealer's, uh, pocket and it helps out these people, gets that dangerous yeah. car off the road. And maybe that's the way to go with it and maybe find some either used car or new car dealership that would want to help out these people and and, and do a trade that way. And, and that way everybody's happy. Well, yeah, I think that would probably... You know, partner with a dealership of some sort. Yeah, and you can always donate your car, too, as a tax write-off there. Oh, and, sure. Uh, and I'm not sure that uh, that they couldn't do something like that, too. But So we'll keep exploring some options for this couple in particular, um, but yeah, it's it's a tough one when when your car maker tells you, yeah, we just we don't think we think your car is perfectly safe. Yeah, and you don't, and you don't <laughs> think that. Yes. Well, yeah, you're gonna follow that, I know. And uh, there's there's got to be a lot of more stories like that around the country. Did you have time to go to the Denver Auto Show? No. Oh, it is a they great. They gave time. Micah that assignment. Oh, I was bummed. But yeah. you know, you could have gone. Um, I could have gotten you tickets to get over there. Well, now um, you tell me. Now okay, I t- <laughs> yeah. Um, I do have some takeaways because I did go for one of the days uh, to the big show. And it, it's really, for me, nice to look at all the different manufacturers. Now, different than, let's say, the Detroit Auto Show, here they have just basically all the cars, very few, if any, concept cars. I think they, they did have a all-electric Jaguar that I don't think you can buy yet. But I it, So I wouldn't could necessarily call it a, a concept car, but I would... could. Uh, call it a car that you that you can't just go out and buy right today if you go to your Jaguar dealer. Um, so this is really a show where you have all the manufacturers with all of their models, brand new. So if you like one, then you can go to your local Ford or Chevy or, or VW dealership and go pick up one of those cars because they, they have them on the lot. Um, it's, a, it's a chance really for us because my wife and I, we have a, a lease coming up on our Nissan Rogue. And, and we're going to let the lease expire and, and give it back. And we're going to get something, a used car, something around $20,000, but somewhere in that same uh, style, that crossover SUV deal. And so it was nice to go to the auto show because you can see those from the Acura to the Toyota to the Nissans and all the other different models. And they're very similar, um, but they also have some differences. But it's nice to see those because we're, we're going to be looking at those. And really, in general, there are three types of vehicles now. There's, there's those crossover SUVs, mm-hmm. there, there's a sedan, which they're doing less and less of, and, and the pickup truck. Mm-hmm. Lots and lots of pickup trucks still. I think they sell more pickup trucks here than just about any, any other wow. vehicle. Um, but there are some other sports. There are some sports cars. You had the Mustang and, and the uh, Corvette, and there's a couple of those cars. And, and there's some small cars. Fiat has theirs and Mini. And, and uh, even I think it was Ford had this little tiny car with this, with this back 
that was almost like a hatch. Instead of a hatchback where the whole thing just lifts up, it actually goes sideways. Um, so instead of it going up in the air, it actually flips out like the old station wagons used to, where they'd flip all the way out. Um, and my kids tried to crawl in there, and they wanted me to close the door, and, and then people were looking at me strangely. Uh, I, <laughs> I decided not to do that. But really, there, there's only a few differences in the styles and, uh, and the comfort level of these cars, whether it's cloth or leather or what kind of cool features do they have uh, inside and outside the car. Um, many of the fronts of the sedans, though, they are now flat. If you look at them, they're more yeah. flat. They're not as pointy as they used to be. And I don't know if this is an aerodynamic thing where they, they have given up on the we're going to save every little ounce of, of uh, energy because we're going to make it as aerodynamic possible. Or they are designing these vehicles so they can be equipped with all kinds of cameras and sensors for eventual autonomy. So they can have a sense of, uh, of where they're going and where they are. And you can't do that with a pointy front. So that's maybe the way they're going Interesting. there. Interesting, yeah. Um, but, but they almost look more like trucks in the way that they're built now. Hmm. And, and speaking of the trucks, the, the size of these trucks and the front of these trucks, they are flat. And they're huge. And, and they come up to my armpit. I'm a big guy. I'm 6'2", 230. I'm a big guy. And these truck, it comes up to my armpit. So if I was a pedestrian, I know we talked about this on uh, an episode. We actually did an interview with a guy, a reporter from Detroit, who looked at the number of pedestrian deaths uh, is higher because of the size of these uh, vehicles that are becoming now. Anyway, so uh, that's on an episode. I came 20 or 30 back, so go look for that one. But I, I can see why more pedestrians are in danger of being killed by not only trucks, but all these vehicles, because you don't have the ability to really roll up if you get hit on the hood anymore. Right. You're going to get hit broadside, and bang, you're done. Like a bus. Yeah, yeah like a bus. It's just, you're, it's really, really not good. Um, the Buick Envision, and I think there was a couple others, but the Buick Envision is the one that I saw that has an analog clock built <laughs> into the dash that, that, that it's always on. It's not attached to the rest of the car so it doesn't come on when you turn on the ignition or turn oh, on the anything. Yeah. It's always on. You can always see what the analog time is <laughs> on the dash just like you could in the cars back in the 70s. I love that feature. Loved it. You don't have a watch or a phone or anything else? Well, no, I do, <laughs> but I, I also like to have the I I am a uh, clock and time kind of guy. guy. Okay. I am a clock guy. I love clocks. For I, I don't know why. I've seen those on some cars, so you're probably not alone then. Yeah. yeah. Um the the trucks are interesting. They're nice. Um, they are built so much like cars nowadays on the inside. They're really, really it's not like the old style where you just get in and it's a man. I mean, it is. Yeah. It, it's it's more of a luxury vehicle with the ability to haul stuff. Um, yeah. So it's not necessarily like the work truck that you're going to be out there banging, uh, you know, sawing on the side of it and doing those sort of things. Mm -hmm. It seems like they're luxury pickup trucks now, not just work trucks. I don't know. Why are those so popular here? I, don't, I, I can see parts of Colorado uh, being f popular for the rural, I, uh, for maybe the rural areas where they, you know, are hauling more stuff yeah. or working in, in jobs that would require it uh, in the urban areas. Well, yeah, in the it urban area, doesn't right. It seem like trucks would be nearly as popular. But they are popular because people like to go four-wheeling. They have their campers or their buses or, ah, you know, their, the, their yeah, boats and their, okay. and, and their uh, right, yes. motorcycles and 
snowmobiles and all that kind of stuff. That's why I always talk about the train idea into the mountains probably isn't the best because I can't put my ATV right. in the train and take it up to, <laughs> no, <laughs> to the mountains. No, no, it's uh, annoying enough to think about trying to take skis up or right. uh, let alone anything else. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about all the recreational vehicles people carry in the back of their trucks. There's actually more traffic in the summertime in the mountains on I-70 than there is in the wintertime. It's just the weather happens to slow down traffic more than the dry roads, obviously, in the summertime, but the volume is more in the summertime on I-70. You know, I lived in a neighborhood when we first moved here in Willow Creek in Centennial that did not allow a pickup to be parked in a driveway or on the side. Interesting. You could have a pickup and park it in your garage, but if you couldn't fit it in your garage... Which some of these large pickups, right. you probably can't. I, I, I would imagine that has to do with camping in it there. Yeah. Or they, at least my first thought. Well, I mean, they didn't like the look of it, I guess, on the street or in the driveway, but I'm glad we moved. <laughs> <laughs> Hyundai has a uh, uh, had a couple of cars with a heads-up display. Um, one of them has this it, it, this little glass, a little piece of glass that actually pops up. You can, you can put it down or you can leave it up right there on the dashboard in front of between the windshield and where the speedometer is okay that little space there and so it's a, it's their heads up display so you could see your speed and all the other stuff that's right there and then some of the other models they were telling me actually uh, flashes that information on the windshield so you have that heads up display now and I think that's going to be a feature you'll see on other car makers mm-hmm. in the future which was pretty neat um, I only saw a few of those eco cars and actually as far as the electrics I didn't see as many as I thought I would there were some hybrids, uh, there were some pure electrics, but not that many. And interestingly, on the Chevy side, for Chevrolet, they had the Volt right there front and center. The 2019 one, well, Ooh. they stopped making them. So, hey, we got our 2019 Volt, come buy them because we're not making them anymore and we need to get rid of them. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. But that's the difference between this auto show and Detroit or some of the others where they might have more advanced cars ah, yes. that they're trying the to uh, for the future exactly yeah. um the ford explorer <laughs> it's so silly a- on the ford explorer they have on the side right on the driver's side door the little up and down panel with all the numbers on it it's yes. the number lock yeah. they still have that on the ford explorer even yep. though everybody has a key fob or other ways to get in and out, they, they still have that silly little I key thing i would love that on my why vehicle. It's a 1990s technology, Nicole. I have locked my key, my key (laughs) fob, in the car. Okay. Enough times to need a secondary way to get in. Then can I recommend the 1999 Ford Explorer (laughs) for you, Nicole? Our our Ford Escape had that, and I loved it. Yeah, see? The Jeep test track was really cool. Again, um, they have the going up and the going down, like 35 degrees up and down. And the, nice. and the part of the track where it goes sideways, or like you feel like you're going to roll over the thing. Um, so that was always fun. The kids love that. We, you, you never know which Jeep you're going to get when you get in line. And we were lucky enough to get one of the Wranglers, uh, the Rubicons, which are always cool. And it made me miss my Jeep when I took that thing mm. to uh, Telluride and drove our Imogene Pass down to uh, Uray. That was really cool. Uh, but, you know, it's... Um, it's always fun to go down to the auto show. Well, next year you can get me tickets. Okay. And we'll go. Uh, I, I am always amazed at the amount of carpet they have that covers the entire showroom floor up there. I mean, that's a lot of carpet. It smells like new carpet, so it always smells great. 
Oh, love all that new carpet. Uh, it seems, though, Nicole, that they have a bit of a pothole problem in Dickinson, Texas. But these aren't your friendly neighborhood potholes. Cracked a couple rims and punctured a couple tires. Some of them are monsters. Starts with us. And resident Zach Weeks had enough. He just kind of got tired of, of looking at it and tired of trying to get the city to do something and nothing happening. So he, his wife, and a friend took a crash course. So it started with a YouTube video of how to patch a pothole. Then they spent about $150 for hundreds of pounds of material and got to work repairing three potholes over the weekend. But there are plenty more that need patching. Zach says no one is trying to stop them. There was a lot of people that said it was illegal and that there's a lot of liability involved. He says he'll go to a city council meeting next week to try to discuss this with local leaders and hopefully get their blessing. We reached out to the city but haven't yet heard back. That's where I hope this is leading is that, you know, either a city-backed or a community-funded effort. In the meantime, Zach says they'll continue to volunteer to make their neighborhood better even if it means paving their own way to a smoother drive home. I really think we can fix all this. There you go. One guy who's so fed up, he was filling his own potholes <laughs> in his own neighborhood. That guy is mad. Well, there's one way to do it. Uh, at least you filled the hole. At least you filled the hole. Yes. <laughs> that is one way to look at it, Nicole. At least you've filled the hole. I've seen stories in the past where people put stuff in them. Oh yeah, we've done those. Them. Yeah, yeah, put uh, scarecrow in in the pothole. But for a couple hundred bucks, this guy has gone out and and thank you to YouTube, figured out how to fill the pothole, what materials to get, and has done it himself. Yeah. He is his own one man road crew. I maybe they'll reimburse him at some point. Uh, oh, I doubt it. Yeah, <laughs> if the cities ever figure out that people are willing to do that themselves, then yeah, we'll have a real problem. But, but. isn't that when most work gets done? When somebody just gets mm-hmm. so mad, so frustrated at whatever situation is going on that they that they take it into their own hands and they have to get something accomplished? Isn't yeah. that isn't that what, what most That's... innovation is is the result of? It, it is. Some people might argue that it should be up to us to fix the potholes. Well, Save the it government is. some well, money. Well, we already pay them money to <laughs> yeah. do it very inefficiently, so exactly. maybe, you know. Maybe we just uh, change the system a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's already come to cities like London and Singapore, and now it's coming to New York City. New York state lawmakers are hoping congestion pricing will decrease traffic in Manhattan. Now, drivers entering Midtown Manhattan, below 60th Street, will be charged, they are assuming, of a charge of around $11.50. That would be for cars. $25 for every truck. The toll is anticipated to raise, they say, more than a billion dollars a year for New York's ailing public transit system. That's where the money would go. Congestion pricing, keep, uh, keep the cars out and put the money into the subways and into the busing system. Now, the tax wouldn't start, though, until the end of next year, till the end of 2020, so still a year and a half before they would start collecting it. Now, there would be some exclusions and price breaks for some of the drivers, and you would get a day pass if you live in one of those congestion zones. Uh, You could get a hardship exemption if you earn $60,000 a year or less, and that seems like a lot of money, but not in Manhattan. Uh, You could get a disability exemption for those with handicapped license plates. 
I could see a lot more people claiming handicapped <laughs> uh, disabilities to get those plates. Uh, you could get, obviously, an exemption for all the emergency vehicles and city-owned agency cars. Well, I would hope so. Yeah. Sir, I was late getting to you for your heart attack because we had to pay the toll before we could start your heart again. Seriously. Obviously, what you tax, you get less of. What you incentivize, you get more of. Mm -hmm. And in this case, they will get less traffic because they are going to tax it. It's going to cost people a lot of money. Anecdotally, we have express lanes here around Metro Denver. And actually, in uh, two weeks, I'll be talking to the father of express lanes, toll lanes, the guy who really started it all, Robert Poole, who, uh, from California, who, who really got that, that going 30 years ago, wow. 40 years ago. So we'll have a whole hour with him, uh, and that's coming up in a couple of weeks. So that'll be a fascinating interview to, to uh, and to see his perspective on where everything's going. And actually, he has an idea to completely change the way we fund roads and infrastructure and actually wants to do it more like a public utility, like the way we get water or electricity, rather than have the government run it right now. So that, that that's coming up in a couple of weeks, as I already uh, scheduled him. But... All of these, well, let me go back to the, uh, the express lanes up north, because that's what I was talking about. We had them, once they were done, they were free. We had a, a free lane, basically, uh, up to the north side of Metro Denver. And traffic was great. It moved fine. Everybody was happy. And as soon, the day, that morning, they instituted the toll. The toll. Mm. Traffic, once again, crammed into the three free lanes. Fewer people used the express lane. And then subsequently, just about every morning for the last six months, I've seen a crash up there uh, just about every single day. Ugh. It's because people are weaving in and out and trying to either get go faster or skip through the toll. And, and, and it, there, there are a lot of issues with it. So it's, it's frustrating for drivers. Um, so anyway, it's, it, that, that's just anecdotally about, about how taxes and express lanes work, at least, at least here. So the problem with, with many that I, I, I see of tax projections is that the politicians think that they're going to get the same amount of users once the tax is implemented uh, implemented a, as it was before the tax was implemented. In other words, well, should, let's, yeah, yeah right. let, so let's say there was a thousand drivers driving in downtown Manhattan. They think there's still going to be a thousand drivers in downtown Manhattan paying this toll, and that's just not the case. No. They're going to get fewer because people are, are just willing to not drive and, and pay that toll anymore. So mm -hmm. they will change their behavior, but they always price how much money they're going to collect based on what the projection is right now, which is always a fallacy. So they think everybody's going to be driving and paying that 1150 tax, and, and they're just not. Many are, are, are already moving out of the city because right. they hate they, the New York State is already one of the highest taxed, if not the highest tax state in the entire country. Um, How does this affect uh, trucks, deliveries coming in, commerce? They have That's, to pay the $25. That, they do have to pay. Okay, yeah. But, but as part of that, you are going to be paying the tax for the trucks. And I am going to be paying right. those tax. Because just like with any corporation, mm -hmm. they don't pay the taxes. We pay it yeah. because they just pass, pass it, it through their products that we're buying. So anybody going out to get anything at a CVS or a, at a restaurant or whatever uh, in Manhattan, they're going to be paying a little bit more for all of those products and all of that food and all of that whatever because those deliveries are going to cost money. And the restaurants and shops and Dwayne Reed and all those stores are not going to be 
uh, absorbing that that cost because they like to. You are going to be no. paying those costs. That's the Everything way it is. It's already so much more expensive in New York. When you go there, you know you're going to pay even in a McDonald's. Yeah. It's a different price. It's higher. <laughs> so I was reading this story on the CBS New York webpage and about of the 89 comments that I was that I was reading through, 88 were negative. The, the one was talking about population control, so it didn't really count. Um, but I, 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 that's overwhelmingly negative yeah. to this tax. And this is coming from people in New York re, uh, commenting on a story from New York, from a local New York TV station. They, they were mad at the tax. They were mad at the politicians who institute this tax. Um, they're upset with how much they're being taxed. And, and it, it, there comes a point... I mean, just ask the revolutionary folks back in Boston a long time ago. There comes a point when the taxes are too high and the people will begin to revolt. Um, many say they've already moved out of the city and won't ever come into the city because of these taxes. And if they absolutely have to, then they would most likely ride the train. Mm-hmm. I, I listen to New York radio stations and a lot of those folks who are on the radio, they, they live in other places outside of the city and commute in. They don't take the train. Mm. They drive in. And so they are ranting and raving about how much this is going to cost them. Because if, if you think about it, at eleven fifty a day, that's fifty seven fifty a week. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's $230 a month right out of your pocket that you, you could be spending on something else. I mean, that's a car payment. That's huge. Right? Cabs pay this too now? and uh, Well, I, uh, maybe they would get some kind of an exemption. Okay. I don't know. Hmm. We don't know. Um, for the trucks, it's about $550 a month. Wow. And that cost, obviously, is going to be passed down along to you, the consumer, because those stores are not going to pay for it. So the, the truck drivers and the delivery companies, you know, they, they, I guess they'll be able to drive around Manhattan, but they're not going to... They're going to have to pay that cost and then pass it on to the next guy, and they're going to pass it on to you. Well, I'll be interested to see what your tra- uh, the, the father of tolls says in a couple of weeks, because how do you, I mean, we've seen you driving. I've never, I, I did. I tried to drive in Manhattan one time. We rented a car to drive out of the city down to Washington, D.C., and just getting out of there was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So how do you disincentivize driving in Manhattan enough uh, to where those streets aren't as clogged as they... I mean, I get... This is how you do it. Th- this, this is, is how it. you do this it, This is yes. the only way to do it, right. is to tell certain people, we're, we don't want you driving here Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And then you will have fewer drivers, and then you will force people to get into the subway or onto a bus or whatever, or walk or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, and you're making it more inconvenient for those folks. Pe- people are like water. I've always said this. People yeah. are like water. Well, they will take the path of least resistance. Um, and, 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 and at some point, that dam of a tax is going to force them to take another way. Yeah. Um, and so you will get less traffic in Manhattan. And how will it affect the businesses in Manhattan and all the and all the people that I don't know. Well, I guess we'll we'll find out in another year and a half when they implement it. Yeah. See if a massive number of people have moved out. Yeah. Yeah. It'll. It's really an interesting experiment to see how this works out. Now, how about the here in Colorado? Have you noticed? a gradual shifting to where we do see more cars using the toll lanes. 
I, I can see a income disparity right. to who does use it and who doesn't. Um, and it, we've we've t- nicknamed those the Lexus Lanes mm-hmm. uh, in the past because they are the people that can afford and they have the money to then use the toll roads. It's uh, it, it's it's all about choices and options. Um, I, I like choices. I think choices are great. You need to have choices. It's hard, I, you know, even just thinking about the s- story I did yesterday on the fact that they're going to charge a twelve dollar uh, fee to visit Hanging Lake uh, in in the future. Right. Here. Um, it doesn't sound like too much. You already pay to get into a lot of natural parts of Colorado. When you go to a state park, you have to pay the day fee, et cetera. So it doesn't seem too controversial. Uh, but I started thinking about it a little more, and I thought the problem with that and so many things in, in, and, and becoming more of a problem here in Denver and in Colorado is that only people who can afford any, who have the right. means, can afford to take advantage of so many things here now. Uh, so if you can't afford for your family to go hike Hanging Lake now, you're out of luck. You can't, yes. you can't visit the lake. Uh, if you are one of the people who can afford it, then you get to go with fewer people near you. And it's very similar when it comes to traffic. If you can afford those toll lanes, you get to go faster than everyone else. But there's no way to, to, um, it doesn't seem there's any way to make that more equitable. It it always kind of seems to come down to the haves and have-nots. Well, that's why we have a progressive taxing system. So those people who make less yeah. will pay less than the people who yes. make more. Well, you that's tax true. Yes, the people who have up. more and give it to the it's the old Robin Hood uh, theory. You tax those who have more and you give it to the people who have less. Um, so what's your incentive to have less to do anything if you're going to be given everything and then you don't have to go out and try to uh, risk your capital or, or yourself or in in uh, you know start a business and yeah. and work as hard as you can to try to generate uh, jobs and and be a successful business and then your success is then taxed at a higher rate because of all your hard work that's well, what I guess it comes yeah, down it to comes that's the philosophical argument there between uh, <laughs> uh, those two sides so yeah though uh, you're, you're absolutely right about that that uh, those who can afford to pay the higher tolls are also paying higher taxes and they're already paying a lot of tolls to mm-hmm. get in all the bridges and tunnels to get into Manhattan already. And so you got to wonder how much this is really going to affect all those folks. And, and the limo drivers and, the, like you said, the cab drivers, how are they going to be affected? And no. the Uber drivers, who are already taking a lot of business from the cabs, they're going to be affected. So now they're going to have to put that cost on top of what they're already charging those folks. And, and I don't know if Uber or Lyft would then uh, somehow give them some compensation, those drivers, for having to pay mm-hmm. that congestion toll. Um, but it'll be really be interesting to see how that affects the traffic there. It'll, it'll be a good test study. It, it will. Because because <laughs> Los Angeles wants to do congestion pricing, too, to go into the city. Uh. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that in some of the other big cities. San Francisco is gonna yeah. is already looking at that sort of thing. Yeah, and, and this is a little bit different. Haven't we uh, talked about some things in the past, dynamic tolling, where at different hours of yes, the day? Yes, that's what we have on our express lanes. Yeah, okay. So... So has New York ever, have they done that? Have they done that in these big cities? In some of the other tolling yeah. areas on their, some certain express lanes, yes, where it is at peak times paying peak prices. Okay. Um, Washington, D.C. Is, is famous for that, where they don't even have a cap on the Beltway, 
and you're paying if you want to use that express lane. At one point, it was forty five dollars. Okay, so in the in the highest highest peak. Yes. Hours. You're so. you're paying a to- whole ton of money. But then at least you can choose when you want right. to. Right. And of go. course, you don't have to drive in that lane if you don't want to. And you don't have to drive. And in so it, you yeah. and you can get in a bus if you want to, or a train, or ride share, or take a bus, or, or take a bike, or whatever you want to do. I mean, there are options, and that's. One thing I do appreciate that there are options, yeah, but have... don't force me into an option. You know, the other day we had a situation where there was a fire downtown. I was with our photographer. They sent another reporter to meet him at the scene, and they wanted me to come back to the station to do something else. Our producers frantically saying, oh, I'll figure out a way to come pick you up. And I said, no, I'll just Uber. I'll just Uber back yeah, to the station. That's brilliant. It couldn't have been easier. And I thought as I got out of that Uber, because I, I never Uber. Uh, unless I'm on vacation somewhere in a different city. I thought, wow, I, I would love to have someone just driving me around all the time. Now, I guess yeah. that could get a little expensive, but it's so e- much easier yes. than trying to arrange these rides. And we do need to move towards more efficiency. There you go. Yeah. So now this is from a user. But you also lose all the storage capacity of all your stuff that's in your car right now. That you don't have access yeah. to because you have to either have it at work or have it at home or you just can't have it with you when you're in the Uber. Well, Unless you're carrying bags and bags no, of stuff like Lisa, I do th- I like do that Lisa Hidalgo yeah. does. She's coming out of here with bags and bags of stuff all the time. That's like me when I get a car wash. I take everything out of the car with me <laughs> and I look like a pack mule. Speaking of Manhattan, one of the most iconic experiences you can have is riding a horse-drawn carriage. Ah, You've done that, yes or no? Uh, No, I've never ridden one. I've seen them. And, of course, the famous Seinfeld episode, of course. Oh, sure. Have you done it? They have them in downtown Denver. They have them in all, basically, big cities. I can't remember if I've done it in New York City. I know I've done it here. Um, But you can ride those carriages, and they used to be right there along 59th, right there on the south side of Central Park, but no longer. Bill de Blasio, the mayor there, moved the guys off the street and made them stage inside Central Park. And the carriage drivers say doing this has and will continue to significantly increase the amount of time those horses have to mingle with traffic and mingle with cars and trucks on these heavier traveled roads through the park. The problem, according to them, is that the city didn't factor in the available routes in Central Park that can be traveled by those slow-moving buggies in about 20 minutes because they say the 20-minute ride is really their bread and butter. That's what most mm. people want. At least expensive, it's short, it's, you get your little experience, and then you can go on. You don't necessarily want to be in a buggy for an hour, mm-hmm. right? And that's maybe you're doing a wedding proposal, and they do have some of those packages where a little bit, I don't know, I guess some people want to do that. Would you want to get mm. engaged on a buggy in Central Park? Mm, with a horse butt in front of no? me? No. Yeah. <laughs> No, you don't. Want, you don't want to be seeing a horse butt while you're while you're contemplating marrying this guy. No. Um, drivers also say the new pickup places also make it more difficult for customers to find them. It's hurting their business. And then there's activists that say they want to do away with this thing altogether because they say the horses are in danger. They're breathing in toxic fumes, and and they they are constantly in and around traffic, which is no good for the horses. Yeah. So they want them to to go away. So. Unfortunately, if you go to New York City, you're going to have to hunt down where these carriages are. If you want to take a carriage ride down through Central Park, like days of days of old. Yeah. You just That's can't do it one anymore. One last old-fashioned thing left. They're going to have to get on apps Kind of like Uber now, where you can pinpoint them in Central Park. But I'm thinking, if that's one of the <laughs> biggest issues facing New York City, well, 
God bless them because yeah. <laughs> let's go fix the horse carriage industry because that's the worst thing happening in New York City right now. Yeah. We fix that problem and all as well. Uh, do, do you ha- hold an official world record from Guinness? No? No, none. Would you like to? Yeah. With me? Yes. I, I have a proposal. All right. I'll get to that in just a second. See, there's a pair of guys in Boston. They have now been officially recognized as Guinness World Record holders after they managed to ride all of Boston's commuter train lines in under seven and a half hours. Wow. Alex Cox and Dominic Deluzo, they received word last week that they now officially have that world record, and they rode every Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority train line with that time of seven hours, 29 minutes, and 46 seconds. They did it back in 2017, but only now is it being officially recognized. So what I'm thinking is this, Nicole. I'm thinking you and me, we could map out a way for us to ride all of the RTD trains Mm -hmm. around Metro Denver. And I I think because I I don't think anybody else has done it up to this point, I, I think no matter what time we get... Since we would be the first to do it, we would then be the official record holders uh, of this. And then somebody could come along later and then try to beat our time. But, hey, when you're first, you're first. We could then try to, yes, defend our record. (laughs) And I don't care if some people come off and and then beat us again and again and again, whatever. But as long as you're the first, you're the first. That's true. You can't take away being the first. So I say. I wonder how long it would take here. I don't know. I I think they would all have to either begin and end in downtown Denver at Union Union Station. Union Station, I would think. Um, So we could probably map this out. Just go ahead and ride all the trains around. Now that they're going to open the G line, maybe we have to wait to the end of April so we can include that in here. Yeah, let's do it. And then we could uh, maybe end at DIA. That would be, you know, spectacular or something like that or... You know, something like that. And then we could and then we could uh, submit it to the record people there at Guinness, and we could have our own plaque saying that we are Guinness World Record holders for the fastest time riding all the trains on the Regional Transportation District uh, system here in Metro Denver. You're well, stunned. It's something. You're it's something to be known for, yes. What, what else would you want to get well, a record for? <laughs> I always like the lady with the long fingernails. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Uh, and this is something we could do together, you see. Yes, we could. I think it's All a brilliant right. idea. I'll, yeah, I like your idea of doing it when the G-Line opens. See? That's I, the day. Maybe April we start on the 26th, G-6. Yes. So maybe we start with that line. Okay. And then we can go all around, Zig and then bing, bing, bing. Because the way, it's like a hub and spoke here in Denver. Right. It's not like you can connect them in other right. spots. You have to really pick them up I all downtown. I do feel that we wouldn't be providing much viewer benefit. No, this is not about viewer. No, this is about not. our benefit. Yeah, just just. No, we record. don't care about yeah. the viewers it in this exercise. It doesn't help anyone. No, it doesn't. We're not giving you any help. No, we're not. No. No. I mean, we're looking at our core beliefs, which is what? You, you, we're trying to help people, and, and we try to do it with heart, and we do all right, these things. Right, right. We, there's none of that involved no, here no no it's just all per- selfish, yes yeah. Per- yeah selfish self-absorbed <laughs> personal uh vendetta here to get our own world record world record that's all we want all right and then maybe we can get hey, the we r- should say if anyone wants to join us oh maybe we maybe have a big group we can have a group do it we can have a yeah we can have maybe the largest group <laughs> that does yeah. it in the fastest time i like it we yeah. could do, do, it would be like double it would be the double record yes so some other joker or pair of jokers might do it, but they didn't do it as a group. 
No, I like it. Meet us at the G line, 4 a.m. <laughs> April 26th. If we're not there right at 4 a.m., go ahead and keep waiting. <laughs> we'll be there eventually, right? Uh, yeah, someone will be there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think that wraps up the uh, the the program for today. There, yeah. Nicole. I th- I think we had a wonderful program. I enjoyed every minute of it. I, I enjoy you being here. It's great. Thanks again for uh, listening. And as always, if you want to reach out to us, you can always uh, Twitter me at Denver 7 Traffic. You have a Twitter account, don't you? I believe it's Nicole Denver 7. Yes. Or you, you know, there's other ways. You yes. have a phone You'll number. Find yeah, you'll find me out there. You're out, you're out there doing something. Yeah. Anyway, thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luper, the Traffic Guy. And I'm Nicole Brady, um, auditioning to be your next traffic slash pedestrian advocate person. <laughs> That was spectacularly horrible. That was like a train wreck right there. It's great. Be safe and as always, (laughs) happy motoring.